Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to today's guest speaker, Chris Dew, for this week's message. What up, Vineyard family? How y'all doing? You good? Come on. Come on. Well, hey, it's, it's an honor and uh, a huge privilege uh, to be here with you guys. I love y'all. I love your church. I love Pastor Chris. And uh, you've heard this already, uh, but I'm going to be here eight times in 2020, which I apologize in advance uh, for all that I'm going to say and uh, all of that stuff. I mean, let's pray to jump in. Is that cool with you guys? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are here Uh, to just hang out with you, Uh, to be with you and to become like you and uh, to do what you did. And I pray right now uh, that you would give me fluency, uh, that you'd give me passion. And God, I just pray uh, that we would leave here changed. And all of uh, the lights and the cool stuff and uh, the illustrations and the music, it's pointless if you don't show up. But if you show up, God, will never be the same. And God, I just pray right now that you would flow out of me rivers of living water and uh, that you would give us open hearts and open minds. God, would you snatch people out of hell today? And God, would you flip this city upside down for the gospel? We love you, Jesus. Thank you for hearing our prayers and for being with us. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Are y'all ready for this? Come on. How many people here love road trips? Does anybody love road trips? Come on. I love road trips, right? I love snacks on road trips. That's probably my favorite part. A really great cup of coffee on a road trip, right? Podcasts, um, audiobooks. I'm a nerd, right? So I listen to that stuff as I as I ride in the car. I just love road trips. That's kind of what we do, right? We travel from place to place, go speaking and stuff like that. But uh, when I was a kid, I didn't like road trips, right? Because it seemed like forever. You hop in the car and it's a three and a half hour drive to go to the beach, and, and you get in the car and half an hour in, I'm like, Dad, I have done all I know how to do. I've played I Spy with my little eye, right? I've, I played to Count the Cows. I listened to my Hanson CD and Aqua. Man, y'all know nothing about Hanson and Aqua up in here, uh, right? I would, I'm like, Dad, I, I've, I've, I've done all I know how to do. And I would ask him the question that all kids ask. Are we there yet? <laughs> and he would slowly look back like my son is an idiot, Right? <laughs> Because how about when we pull in the driveway and then we hop out the car and open the door and you get out of the car? How about then we're there? But right now we're on the highway 20 minutes into our drive and you are already asking me, are we there yet? But he was nice. He'd say, no, no, my son. We're, we're you know, no, we're not even close to being there yet. How about you, you know, hang out again? But I think if we're honest, that's how we are with God sometimes. I am. I'm like, God, I got this promise a long time ago, man, or I have this dream or this vision for my life, and I just look at him, and I know we're not there, but I just want to hear it. And I'm like, Dad, are we there yet? And he's a lot nicer than my dad was, so he doesn't call me an idiot, right? But it's, it's, it's like, 
No, we are not there yet. But all over our world, I think especially here in America, everything is instant, right? I hop on Amazon Prime and three minutes later, I have the thing at my doorstep. Like, I don't know if they're hiding in the bushes or what they're doing, but I feel like I get on there and I'm like, yeah, I want this, you know, this thing. And it's like, bing, it's at my doorstep, right? We live in an instant generation. Everything is accessible online. It can come to your house in 3.4 seconds. Instagram and Facebook, it's, it's instant, We have iPhones. We can call people around the world in an instant. We live in an instant generation, except there's a lot of things in life that are not instant, like spiritual growth, callings, and even uh, relationships. Right? There's lots of great things that are instant, and I love Amazon Prime. I use it, right? I love uh, Instagram and iPhones and stuff, except I think in a lot of areas that it's actually hindering us. Because here's the thing about our life. Salvation happens instantaneously, right? We hear the gospel. And then it's like, man, I, I, I hear about Jesus. I hear about what he did on the cross for me. I hear about how he rose from the grave. I'm going to place my faith in him. I'm going to turn from my old life. I'm going to place my faith in him. And, and instantly we are made right with God, right? All of our sins have been paid for. We are instantaneously a new creation is what the Bible says, right? Which is amazing, right? Because we're over here spiritually dead and instantly he raises us and we are spiritually alive except sanctification happens over our lifetime. Instantly we are made right with God except it takes a lifetime to be conformed into the image of God. And here's the thing, as we look at the teachings of Jesus, a lot of his teachings are kind of slow analogies. He's like, here's how the kingdom of God works. You plant a seed, and then you wait, and then you wait, and then you wait, and then it's a sprout. And then eventually, hundreds of years later, it's a giant oak tree. He says, hey, here's how the kingdom is. It's like you plant a seed, you kind of have all this stuff you put everywhere, and then eventually it grows. And I don't like that. I don't know about you, but when I read Jesus' teachings, I'm like, God, why can't it be an Amazon Prime analogy, right? Like I pray, and at my doorstep is the prayer that I want. He doesn't work like that. He says, man, it's a slower process. And if we're going to live a life of an overcomer, right, which is exactly what we're talking about here at church over the next few weeks. We've got to learn how to play the long game. Hit your neighbor real quick and say, play the long game. Oh, that was weak. That was weak. Like you mean it. Come on, hit your other neighbor who you didn't like as much and say, play the long game. We've got to learn how to play the long game because that's what God is playing. He's playing the long game in our lives. So here's my question for you this morning. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting for in your life? Is it a calling? Right? Maybe you're like, man, I feel like God's calling me to do this, but that just isn't what I'm currently experiencing. Or a healing. I know for a lot of people, including me, that there are things I'm asking God, hey, God, would you heal this? 
And all through the Bible, I see that there's, there's healings that happen. Like, like people got prayed for and they were healed, but there's times in my life where that has happened. But then there's other times where I feel like, God, like, where are you? What are you waiting on? Maybe it's a spouse. Right? And you're here, you're like, that's the whole reason I'm at church this morning. Just got my eyes open. I'm looking for my spouse, right? But you're, you're like, man, I, I've been waiting for so long, and I'm hoping for a spouse. I'm praying for a spouse. I'm here at church for a spouse, whatever it is, right? And, and, and the spouse hasn't come yet. Or it's an unanswered prayer. You've prayed this thing for a friend or a family member who's, who's maybe hooked on drugs or is a lost uh, person. And, and, and you're like, why, why haven't you answered my prayer What are you waiting for? Because I think the reality of it is that we're all waiting for something. Every single person in the world is waiting for something. And here's the question I want to help answer this morning is how do we wait well? How do we play the long game? I feel like in our world that's instantaneous, instant Amazon Prime, instant coffee, instant things, that it's hard for us to play the long game and to wait well. I love the story of Joseph because he played the long game. And over the past few weeks, man, you've hit a lot of points in Joseph's story, but ultimately he had this promise at age 17 years old. It was promised, he had this dream, right, that he's going to be this leader. Um, he was a little proud at the moment, right? So what he did is he told his whole family. He's like, so here's the dream I had, y'all. You, you need to tune in because this thing's awesome. I'm going to be ruling over all y'all fools. And they were like, what? I don't really like that too much. But he's like, no, 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 it's cool. Like, I'm going to be the leader. It's going to be for your good. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, I think we got to kill this little guy because <laughs> he's, he's all proud. And that's actually what they try to do. What they do is they're out in a field one day and they're like, man, let's, let's throw him in this pit over here. And they throw him in a pit and then he ends up a slave in Potiphar's house. And then Potiphar comes along, as you talked about last week. I love that Pastor Chris said that. Potiphar, I think that's hilarious. That's not really her name, but I bet she was cute. And Potiphar comes along, right, and she's like, Joseph, you know, like you're in power here and like you're doing like a really good job and I think, I think we need to hang out. And he's like, nah, girl, nah, girl, I ain't, I ain't about that life, right, I, I don't want to do that with you. And, and eventually he's accused of rape and he gets thrown into prison. I want you to think about this. This promise from God. It was actually a dream from God. It was actually a vision for his life from God. Except then he gets thrown into a pit. And then he's in Potiphar's house. And then he gets thrown in prison. Like imagine that in his mind. Right? He thinks it's going to be instant as we normally do. Man, I got this calling from God. I got this promise from God. Therefore, tomorrow I'm going to be ruling the roost, right? This is going to be awesome. But then he ends up in a pit and he's like, what, God? This isn't exactly what the, the promise thing said. I thought I was going to be ruling and now I'm in the bottom of a hole. And then he's like, okay, okay, I'll just wait. I'll, I'll, I'll trust. And then he ends up in slavery, at Potiphar's house. He tries to do the best he can, right? He serves. He works hard. He ends up climbing in the power rankings. And then he gets accused of rape. 
and drop back down. And he's in the prison. And he's in prison and the same thing happens. He works hard. He's honest. And he gets put in charge of pretty much the whole prison. And while he's in there, these other prisoners come in uh, that had hung out with uh, the king and had roles in the king's palace. And he's in there with these two prisoners and one of them has a dream and the other one has a dream the same night. What happens is he's in this prison cell with them and one guy has a dream and he's like, man, I don't know what this dream means. I don't know how to interpret this thing. And he's like, well, I, I can help with that. And he ultimately tells him, hey, in three days you will be restored to your position as the cupbearer. And he's like, okay, that's, 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 that's cool. And then he says this in verse 14. Please will you remember me as it is well with you, and please will you mention me to Pharaoh. He gets another promise right here. Right? He's like, man, I interpreted your dream. It's going to turn out well for you. Please will you remember me. Just, just a little word of encouragement to Pharaoh. Like there's this guy that's got this spiritual gift thing going on. Man, I think you should bring him up. He says, okay, okay. But then uh, the other guy has a dream. And he's like, man, I mean, that was a good interpretation. I can't wait for my interpretation. Right? And he just asks him, like, okay, okay, what's mine mean? He tells him the dream and he says, oh, um, I ain't got, so, like, like, this was good news. Yours is bad news. And ultimately he tells him that in three days that you're going to be killed. He's like, nah, you ain't got the dream. I don't think you have that spiritual gift. That's a wrong interpretation. But a few days later, that's exactly what happens. Uh, the one guy, uh, he ends up being hanged by Pharaoh because of what he did. Except the other guy, he's restored to his uh, position in the kingdom. He has a promise. He's in the pit. He's in Potiphar's house. He gets thrown in prison. And then he gets another promise. Right? He's like, hey, I'm going to tell Pharaoh that you have this gift and that you actually have the dream interpretation gift. And he's going to call you up. Except then the Bible says that it was two whole years before he actually remembered. Imagine that. You're like, okay, this is my big break. I got this promise and it hasn't looked so good up until now. But now, man, I meet someone that works in Pharaoh's house. This is my chance. He made me this promise. I interpreted the dream. It's going to be amazing. And then he waits. And then he waits some more. And then he waits some more and some more and some more. And after two years from that promise that was made, and he was in jail for a very long time, that the king has a dream. The pharaoh has a dream. And everyone gets called in because he's kind of freaked out by it. It's one of those dreams that just, you know, you have it and then it doesn't go away. So he's like, okay, I need to get this thing interpreted. And then what he does, he calls all the religious people, all his friends, all the smartest people in all of Egypt. And they come, except no one can explain the dream to him. There isn't anyone that can actually interpret it for him. And then it clips, it clicks for the cupbearer. He has that oh crap moment. There, there was this guy who I made this promise to in jail that, um, you know, when you threw me in jail, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a hard season for us. But there was this guy in the jail who, like, interpreted my dream, 
and I think he can do it for you. So the Pharaoh's like, okay, cool, let's, let's, let's bring him in. And he comes in and he interprets the dream correctly. Uh, it's about these cows, these huge cows that come up and, and they're actually pretty hefty cows. But then these smaller cows come up and the smaller cows eat the big cows. It's this kind of weird dream, but he says, hey, that's how it's going to go for Egypt. And then in Egypt, that, that there's going to be all these years of plenty and abundance, except then there's going to be years of scarcity and famine. And if you don't plan well, it's not going to be well for your people and everyone's going to die. So he's like, okay, well, let's plan. Who can rule over Egypt and help me with that? Who's the person who can help me plan that plan out and then maybe help us to be a blessing to the people and actually save our country? And he's like, well, you know, I got this, I got this thing, you know, that I can help. I mean, I got some time on my hands. I was in prison, but if you want to bring me into the palace, it's, it's absolutely fine, and I'll help. And he hires him. Picture this, promise, pit, Potiphar's house, prison, eventually the palace. And then 20 years, over 20 years after he had this dream about him ruling over his brothers, about him having this high power of leadership, he's in the palace one day and here come his brothers. And they're like, man, we're out of food and we, and we need something. And then they end up on their knees exactly like he had had in his mind, in his dream, his promise. And he's able to help them and to bless them. Except if we're honest, I think that's what a lot of us kind of feel like. And man, I, I have this promise, I'm... I'm, I'm had this awesome word from God, this promise, this vision, this calling, this healing that I'm hoping for, except it doesn't seem like it's happening fast enough. I'm in the pit. I'm sold into slavery in Potiphar's house. I'm in the prison. I get another promise and have to wait even more. But then he's restored into the palace. And I think as we look at the life of Jesus, or not Jesus, as we look at the life of Joseph, uh, uh, that there's at least three things uh, that we can pull out of this um, in order to know how to wait well or to play the long game. So here's point number one. We have to trust uh, the vantage point of God. Trust uh, the vantage point of God. Who here loves Harry Potter? Any Harry Potter fans? I know it's church, but you can, you can raise your hand and, and say, I like Harry Potter. How about the, uh, the Lord of the Rings? Anybody love Lord of the Rings? Come on, the same two over here. They're, they're engaged. I like it. Um, how about um, Star Wars? Does anybody like Star Wars? Okay, lots of Star Wars people up in here, man. Uh, the early service, I think one person raised their hand. I was like, oh, my illustrations are not landing today, right? Uh, but picture this, uh, that I, you know, head uh, to the movie theater and I go to see the brand new Star Wars, right? And I'm so excited um, and then I, and I have to get popcorn, right? So I get the huge thing of popcorn that's like $25. It's like, it's popcorn, it's 12 cents at the store. What, how is it $25? I don't understand that, but you buy it every time, right? Because you're like, it's, it's good, I got to have something to eat while I'm watching. Um, and you get it and you go sit down and I always eat it prior to the movie actually starting, Anybody else with me who, who just cannot wait? Like I don't have 
uh, the waiting thing in line. I, I, I just eat it real quick, right? But imagine this, that I sit down, I eat all my popcorn, and then three minutes into the actually uh, the movie is that I get up and I leave, and I'm like, man, I, this was awful. This was the worst movie of all time. And I think I've only seen like one of the other Star Wars, right? So I don't have any context for the whole storyline or the plot or anything. And what I do is I go and I see it for three minutes and I leave the service. Um, and, and, and what I end up doing is I write this long email to the creator of Star Wars. And I'm like, guys, listen, here's what's wrong with this plot. Here's what's wrong with this storyline, man. This person, like, why is Luke here? And, and, and this, this thing, the princess, and I don't, I don't even know. Like, this is the worst movie ever. And I send them these hundred things that I hated about the movie. He'd say, no, moron, watch the rest of the movie, right? Watch all the other eight Star Wars that's out there. There's hundreds of hours of things that you need to go watch, right? And I'd be like, no, 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 I, I, just, I just got the three minutes. That's, that's all I needed, I know. All of us would be like, you're, that's probably not so smart, but that's what we do with God. Right? All of us have only lived in this sliver of time. Right? I'm 29 years old. Right? I've, I've only lived this sliver of time, but oftentimes I look at God and I'm like, this isn't going right. How come this hasn't happened quick enough? How come this part of my story isn't all the way healed up yet? How come this person isn't in my life anymore? How come I don't have this yet? And I ask him all these questions and I critique God and he's looking at me saying, yes, my son, I love you, but you don't know the whole picture. God is outside of time. He knows everything that's ever going to happen in our lives and he is writing a beautiful story in each one of our lives and all of us just have this small clip. It's like we've only seen three minutes of our lifetime. And he's trying to tell you, hey, I promise in my word that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He promises you, hey, I'm writing a beautiful story. You've got to trust me. You've got to trust me. Life is going to be hard. We will have to wait, except the best thing we can do is not to critique God and shake our fist on how things are playing out, but rather to get as close to God as possible in order to get as much of his heart and his vision as possible. This is how we press on through the pain. This is how we wait well. It's not by critiquing God. This man, I, I wish this would be different. I wish that would be different. Yeah. He can take it, but man, we've got to trust his vantage point. We've got to trust that he is sovereign, that he knows better, that he is in control of everything in our lives. He's a good father. Our experiences will change. It'll be up and down, but the character of God never changes. And that's what we see in the life of Joseph. He got a promise, he was in his family, but then the pit, then Potiphar's house, then the prison, and then eventually the palace. And it says in every single place, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him and made him prosper. And I just want to encourage you in your church that if you're a Christian, the Lord is with you and he is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You have to trust him like a child. I remember uh, that when I'd be in the car and I'd, I'd spent my, you know, half an hour doing all the things I knew how to do. Um, and, 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 and I asked my dad, hey, are we there yet? 
And he'd, he'd say, no, my son, you moron, we're not there yet. Just how about when we pull up, then we're there. And I would oftentimes, I would, I'd get to the point where I had done everything I knew how to do, and I would, I would just kind of fall asleep. And I would lay down, and it would be almost a miracle. Uh, a few minutes later, it seemed like a split second later, that we would pull in the driveway at a beach house. And he'd wake me up, and he'd say, hey, my son, I love you, and we're here. Right? He probably wouldn't say I love you right there, but he'd say, oh, we're here, like we made it. And it was a miracle. Right, because I just, I just rested, I just laid down, and I trusted that my dad was going to take me to where we were going to get in. This is how we must be with God, is that as we rest, as we just rest in his arms in relationship with him, that we've got to trust that there is one who neither sleeps nor slumbers. And as we are resting, as we are trusting in him, that he will get us to the place that we need to be. How to wait well, we've got to trust the vantage point of God too is we have to bloom where we're planted. Bloom where we're planted. I have a lot of conversations with young people that have a call to ministry. Um, and they're like, man, I want to be a pastor one day. What should I do? And I'm like, oh, man, that's awesome, man. You should pray and read your Bible and lead a small group. And they're like, no, 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 uh, you didn't hear me. Um, like I said I want to be a pastor one day. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. How you be a pastor one day is you read your Bible and you pray and then you lead a small group because the small things will lead you to the bigger things if you want to view it like that. The exact same thing with evangelists, right? I, I, I talk to a lot of guys that are like, man, I want to travel. I want to, man, I want to be an evangelist. I was reading the Bible the other day and I feel like that just jumped off the page and I'm called to preach the gospel and to be an evangelist. And I'm like, that's awesome. They're like, what should I do? I'm like, okay, are you ready? You should pray, you should read the Bible, and you should tell people about Jesus, like friends and family members. And they're like, no, 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 not like you didn't hear me. Um, I'm called to like travel and preach the gospel. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's what you got to do. You got you to gotta read, you got to pray, and then you, you, know, you just have to tell people about Jesus. That's how you get started. And then the scripture says that if you're faithful in little, then you'll be faithful in much, right? So he can trust you. And this also happens with, like, young guys that want a wife one day. This happens all the time. They're like, so, Chris, man, I'm, I'm like, I think, I think I want a wife one day. And I'm like, awesome. And they're like, man, what should I do? I'm like, you should ask a girl out, <laughs> you know? And they're like, oh, no, nah, man, ain't no good ones here. I'm like, all right, well, you ain't get a wife one day. You got to ask a girl out. And the, this is off topic, this is a side note, but oftentimes young Christian guys who, you know, are just hoping to have a spouse one day always kind of get their advice from people that don't have wives, right? It's like young Christian guys who don't have wives ask other young Christian guys who don't have wives, and they're like, man, I'm taking a year off of dating because the Lord, I'm, I'm trying to do that, and then everyone's not dating. It's like, okay, don't take your advice from young Christian guys who don't have a spouse, Right? You got to ask a girl out. That's, that's a side note. That's free. Put that in your pocket for later, right? But you got to bloom where you're planted. And this is what Joseph did. Even though he did not get instantly put in this leadership position in the palace, he bloomed where he was planted in Potiphar's house and in the prison. He used his spiritual gifts. He served. He did all things to, to his glory. He did everything with excellence. 
And man, here's the thing, I'm not saying not to dream or to pray big. You should. And I want our church uh, to be a church of people who have visions for their lives, who are praying giant prayers, who are hoping for huge things, yet you can't neglect the season that you're in right now. We've got to bloom where we're planted. That's point number three. And point number th- or two, and this is point number three, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. In Hebrews 12, it says this, that we are in a race right now. We are in a race, and therefore we have to lay aside every sin and weight which clings so closely and run with perseverance and endurance the race that is set before us. Put our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, and he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I love that scripture. I love that scripture because here in this verse, he's not talking about a sprint. He's not talking about a, just a quick little run. He's talking about a marathon. And he, he explains here, hey, it's going to be hard. You're going to get tired. You will have weight on you that you feel like, man, I'm going nowhere right now. He said to, to persevere. And how you persevere, he gives us the clarity. We have to put our eyes on Jesus. We have to put our eyes on Jesus. I love the story of Joseph for so many reasons, yet the main one is that he is an Old Testament picture of Jesus. He's an Old Testament picture of Jesus. There's lots of things that, uh, that correlate uh, between Joseph and Jesus, but here's a few. He was loved by his father, but hated by his brothers, just like Jesus. Highly favored by his dad, loved by the father, but it, uh, all of his uh, religious people kind of hated him and despised him. He was sold into slavery for 20 shekels of silver, which is exactly the same price that Jesus was uh, sold into slavery for ultimately to be crucified on a cross a few days later. 20 shekels of silver, that's very intentional in the scriptures. That if you look at the story of Joseph, right, he was the catalyst of salvation for Israel ultimately handed them the food and they were able to eat. And obviously Jesus is also the catalyst of our salvation. I had to view it through the eyes of his dad. Right, I love the story of Joseph, right? But it was hard for his dad. He thought his son had died. Right, he got his uh, coat back from his brothers. He's like, man, there's blood all over this. He, he, he had to have passed away. And then 20 plus years later, it's almost like he came back to life. And this is also the story of Jesus. And all of us are here, we need a savior. All of us are here, we need saving. Right? And there is a real God who loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus, who was a real guy in Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, right? Real dude, he's in history. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life in our place. And then he was crucified on a criminal's cross. 
And all his friends and all the closest followers were like, man, what, where did, what? This guy, he's, he's claiming he's going to restore the kingdom to Israel, right? He's, he's claiming he's going to do these big things and then he, he, he just goes and dies? How, how in the world is that possible? But on the third day, you know the story. He didn't stay dead. But Jesus Christ rose from the grave conquering sin and death and everything. And the scripture says if we place our faith in him, then we'll be saved. But I love this story about the prison in particular. Um, and, you know, up until I was praying through this, and I hadn't ever viewed this before. And I don't know if you've ever seen this before either. Uh, but if you think about Joseph, who's in the prison, right, and he's got these guys with him, has a dream, has a dream. And the one guy, ultimately, he says, man, you're going to be restored and you're going to get life. And then to the other guy, he's like, man, I'm sorry, I got bad news. Like, you're going to get death. And in the book of Luke, what we see is Jesus having a very similar interaction. As he's hanging on the cross, he's got these two criminals on either side of him. And as he's hanging there, the one guy is railing at Jesus saying, man, like, you're claiming you're God. And now we're here on the crosses and you can't even help us. Like, who are you? You're clearly not God. But the other guy... He says, hey, have you no fear of God? Have you no fear of God? We rightfully deserve this, but he's innocent. He doesn't deserve this. And he says, hey, please will you remember me as you come into your kingdom today? And here's the thing about Jesus is that he's a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. And he says, right now, here today, you will be with me in paradise. Joseph is an Old Testament picture of Jesus. And here's the thing about this story in the prison is that each of them had dreams and they didn't have a choice of where they went. Right? He's like, man, your dream is just like you get life and your dream is just you get death. Here's the thing about us is we do have a choice. We do have a choice. We can be like the criminal on the one side saying, man, I'm gonna kind of shake my fist at God. I'm going to reject the gospel. I don't believe Jesus is actually Lord. I don't, man, I'm, I'm not following him. And the end result of that is, is, is hell forever. Or we can be like the other person. The other criminal who, who knew, hey, I've done nothing right. I don't deserve the kingdom. I don't deserve this paradise that you're talking about. But, man, I, I believe in you. I place my faith in you. And he was with Jesus in paradise that day and is right now. And you've got that choice here this morning. Let's all pray real quick. If you don't mind uh, just closing your eyes and bowing your heads uh, to just kind of have some time with God to talk. But if you're here um, and you know that up until this point in your life that you have been rejecting the gospel, and saying, I don't really believe in Jesus. I don't want anything to do with him. But here today that you want to become like the other guy. Hey, God, I don't know how much time I have left on planet Earth. If it's just a few minutes like the guy hanging on the cross or if it's 80 years. But however long I got, I'm going to live it for you. I believe in you. I repent of my sin. Then I want you to pray this prayer to God. It isn't a prayer that saves you. But it's the faith that saves you. 
You can pray something like this. Heavenly Father, I need you to save me. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. I give you my life. I repent of my sin and I place my faith in you, Jesus. Please save me now. With all heads down and all eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you put your hand in the air for me and just say, hey, I, I, I just gave my life to Jesus and you're not the only one. There's lots of hands going up. And if you'd put it straight up, like, hey, I, I, I mean this thing, I really do mean it. I mean, if you'd leave it up for me because I like to just take a look and count because it makes me happy on the inside. Awesome, man. You can put your hands down. If you just prayed that and you meant it, uh, we have uh, the connection card in front of you. And if you would just kind of put on there, hey, that I responded to the gospel today, uh, then we'll have one of our team members uh, to call you and to follow up with you and stuff like that. It's not weird. It's really cool. Uh, because here's the thing I know about following Jesus. Is that this is only the starting block, it's not the finish line. And we as a church are committed to walking. There's like 27 people who just responded to the gospel, y'all. Let's, let's praise Jesus for that. Come on, somebody. Um, let's close with this. Um, you know, I want to kind of explain how it happened uh, that I'm going to be coming here, uh, um, I think, eight times this year. But I was here a few months ago, and it was, it was a great weekend. I, mean, I don't know if y'all were here or not, but it was, it was just really fun. Uh, the Lord really moved. I spoke at some uh, just smaller events at schools and stuff, and then spoke here on Sunday morning. Uh, but I was on the way to CrossFit on Saturday morning, and I know I'm small, and I'm white, and I can't jump. It doesn't look like I do CrossFit, but I promise I do a few times a week. Um, but anyways, I was on the way there and I was just praying uh, just for you and for the city and stuff. And just asking God, hey, God, what do you want to do? And I was listening to this really good song uh, that uh, we're actually about to play in a second. Um, and here's this part that happens almost at the end of the song. And it says this, that the darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. And then it's this long pause, like 20 second pause. And I remember I was just heading over the bridge here to go to the island and, and man, I just had this vision of that's what is happening right now in Wheeling. That's what's happening right now all over the valley. Is ultimately the enemy who is real, he is rejoicing as though heaven had lost. He's like, man, all the companies are closing down, the hospitals are closing down, all these addicts are dying, man, all, all this pain and brokenness, and he is rejoicing as though heaven had lost. And I got this image of, man, that this is, this is how it is right now in Wheeling. So then after 20 seconds, it comes back in strong. It says, and but then Jesus arose with my freedom in hand, and all the death was arrested, and my life actually began. And I had this picture 
I believe it was from the Holy Spirit of what he's going to do in Wheeling. We can clap for that. And I believe he's going to transform this city. I believe that the God of the universe, he, I mean, he, he's all powerful, y'all. He can do anything he wants to. I believe he's going to do something that a lot of people are going to write about one day here in this city. And, that, and I had that vision, uh, and I came and spoke, and I had a conversation after uh, the preaching on Sunday morning with Chris, and he said, man, this is a crazy idea, uh, but how would you feel about coming uh, just eight times next year, eight to ten times next year to speak and uh, to help us uh, to pray through this and stuff? And I was like, dude, I don't, I don't know what we do, but I had that vision, and that's what kind of confirmed, hey, this is the part I'm going to play in this. But here's the thing I know is that this is not instant. How God's going to flip the city upside down for the gospel is not going to happen in a few messages in one year. How God's going to flip the city upside down is not a few prayers that we pray and a little bit more evangelism and discipleship. No, no, no. This is going to have to be a long game that we play. And I think it's interesting that Chris asked me to preach on this. Right, I didn't, I didn't connect that. He didn't plan that, but it was just how it ended up. But here's how it happens. It is not instant. It isn't because of a few speakers. It's not even because of one church. It's all of us praying and evangelizing and praying and discipling and praying and serving and praying and sacrificing and giving and having people over to our house and us all just live in all in for Jesus. If he's able to flip the whole world upside down for the gospel with only 11 scared little boys, and I'm talking the whole world, what could he do with 800 passionate Jesus followers who just said, man, I'm in for this city. I'm in for this area. I believe that God's gonna do something incredible. Do you believe that with me? Come on, let's, let's give Jesus a round of applause. Here's the thing I know about that is we can't do it alone. We have to have the spirit of God here to do a miracle. So as we transition into this song, would you pray with me one more time and just ask God to do something that only he can do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, we are so grateful for what you've already done here. This is, a, this is a miracle what I'm looking at right now already. Uh, but we want more. Uh, we want more of you and we want more of your kingdom here in Wheeling, God. I pray against the spirit of addiction in this place. I pray against the spirit of poverty in this place, God. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring your kingdom on here in Wheeling as it is in heaven. God, we love you. And we're thankful that we get to play a part. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God. And we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. In addition to these podcasts, please come visit us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling, Sunday mornings at 930 and 1115, and experience these encouraging messages, some incredible music, and so much more in person. We would love to meet you. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.